Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Risha Walden from New Jersey with us. Risha is an interior decorator, designer. You have to tell me, is there a difference, Risha? Uh, sort of. Interior, yes, there is. Interior designer is a little more involved, and interior decorator is just looking at the piece, little pieces inside your home. So. so go ahead and tell us what you do. And I know you've been working at home for a long time, so we have a lot to dive yeah. into. But So which one are you? I am the um, interior designer and I'm the principal creative and owner of Walden Interiors, as well as I'm the leading expert in vegan interior design. I have um, had my business for about the last 12 years and I've helped affluent homeowners create beautiful homes that reflect their personality and lifestyle. I've designed primary residences and vacation homes from Palm Springs to Vancouver, Canada, New York City, New Jersey. Um, But my passion is a vegan and it's to create beauty without cruelty by finding luxury alternatives for for animal products that are used prolifically in luxury interior design. So I'm always bringing the the vegan conversation off the plate and into homes. Uh, I work out of my home in Milburn, New Jersey, and um, I love it. Do you often travel then to meet with these people in person or are you doing a lot of it online? I do travel and I have traveled. I've done um, more online this past year and a half than um, I usually do. And of course, with all the new technology and the capabilities with Zoom, it's not impossible to design uh, via virtual. Um, of course, being in person is great. Uh, and I like seeing people in person and talking to them. So I do. Li- and I like to travel. So traveling is a great option. I'm curious, um, what percentage of your clients would you say are also vegan? Do they seek you out because you're vegan doing in vegan interior design? Or so that's the, Right. So that's the interesting thing is that People often think, and I know this isn't a vegan podcast, but because uh, I do a lot of vegan podcasts, but um, people often think that veganism is really just a dietary choice, but um, it really, influ- being a vegan influences every aspect of you know your life. So when I became vegan, I realized that, okay, I chose not to eat animal products mm-hmm. and um, eat cruelty-free, but I was selling animal products. I'm like, what the heck? I mean, like, how hypocritical was that? But I came to that conclusion really early on because um, I'm an interior designer and it's, there's a cachet to animal products and interior design with wool and silk and bone and horn and leather. Yeah. Leather. I mean, so many animal products that uh, people pay, pay a premium for. And I'm like, wow. I never realized until I became vegan um, how reliant we are on um, animal products. So I want to, you know, my part of my um, energy, I extend on education awareness, and that's moving the vegan conversation forward off of the plate into people's homes and talking about um, doing more than just, you know, thinking about what you're eating, about what you're, you know, but other things that you're consuming. So I, uh, just full disclosure, I'm not a vegan, uh, but we do have a vegetarian daughter and I think just that, you know, she's such an animal lover 
mm-hmm. that she's just more aware. And so because of that, you know, I have to be more aware and we've had conversations about, you know, like, how do you feel about this? So, but I guess there are some things that are kind of out of mind. Like I, I forget that wool is an animal product or that silk, you know, is, and I guess you forget sometimes how much. So what are the main products that you find people gravitating toward in your business? You mean in terms of um, like the vegan products? Well, there's alternatives for everything. Yeah. They're not all plant-based. In the big conversation right now in um, alternative fabrics that are plant-based is leather because, or faux leather, because leather is an animal product. um, And the alternatives have been petroleum-based product, right? Okay. So they're trying to move that into more plant-based product. And you may have heard of mushroom leather or pineapple leather or agave leather. I have Um, not. Okay. So there's lots of new technology. However, it's so new and um, it hasn't quite moved it. It's, It's really... Before interior design, uh, fashion is being hit because, you know, when we vegan, being a vegan, you're first seeing things as um, what you eat, because that's something you do every day. And then it comes into like your body products, because again, that's the more regular purchase. And then Mm -hmm. it's clothing, right? Because that, again, is is something you're going to purchase more often. Yeah. Home furnishings, not so much. You know, you buy a couch, mm-hmm. you may keep it for 20 years, 15 years, whatever. Oh, so yeah. you make the purchase and boom, you're out of mind, right? What you purchase. So um, right now, those leathers that are being available or being made are really being directed at uh, fashion industries because uh, there's a lot of need for it and the faster they can scale the more they can um all, uh, substitute leather real leather for faux i mean faux leather with real leather yeah right so um two things that come to mind are mm-hmm. bamboo and mm-hmm. hemp are you finding yeah. a lot of those cuz i know they're they grow fast and they are easy to to turn into fiber and yeah Bamboo, hemp, um, using carpets, some fabrics. Um, you know, uh, I, I mean, there are technologies as they're looking for plant-based. I think the biggest one that is probably really prolific that people don't really think about it, and I'm sure every single person has it in their home, is down. The feathers in your blankets, like duvets, in your pillows, that is not vegan. People think, oh yeah, well, it just came came off the you know the chicken, but it's not true. They actually most down is live pluck, and which means they're ripping the feathers out of the animal while they're alive, and they want them to grow them again. So they you know, uh, and there's a particular that's the under feather, the finer feathers that are um, the important part uh, that are used in um, fill. Some are like traumatic. Yeah. And so you're not going out and collecting these on the ground somewhere. That's just not happening. Yeah. So that is um, probably where a big um, change can be made. Um, And there's great uh, polyfill options that actually are exactly like uh, the down alternative, uh, the uh, the down. 
I, I, when I talk in person, I have a pillow that is with down and I have a polyfill pillow and I pass them around. I say, okay, which one is the real, the real thing? 90% people get it wrong. They get it wrong because it's so similar. So why do we need to have cruelty products that are laced with cruelty in our homes? We want a home that is peaceful, that supports us. Um, and we don't need to have that kind of industry. We can create that, like a cruelty-free world. So I like that. Makes me feel good. Anyways, um, so Did working you, from home. Yeah, go ahead. I <laughs> yeah, was going right. to ask you a little bit about when you started interior design. Was it with uh, that angle of the veganism or was it not? No. Uh, when I was uh, started working from home, I was just a you know interior designer. Uh, doing interior design. And it was about five years ago that I became a vegan, um, started with my dietary choice. And like mm -hmm. I said, I realized, wow, it's more than just what I'm eating. It's about all these other products and how reliant we are on animals for everything. It's incredible. It's like a rabbit hole when I, and I wish I'd known more sooner, but you know, I, at least the next best thing is that I'm, I know now. Right. Yep. Do the best with what you know. Yeah. yeah. When you uh, did the switch, I don't really know a lot about the customer base of an interior designer. Do you have a lot of repeat customers that keep coming back to you year after year? Or is it the sort of thing where you just switch slowly to a new clientele? Did you lose business or gain business when you made the switch? I don't, I didn't really lose business. I don't compromise my designs because, and I don't have to compromise, compromise my designs because of uh, going to a switch of vegan. There's so many alternatives and it was just a matter of me paying attention. Uh, what am I specifying? What is the contents and what if, can I make an alternative? Say for instance, in a sofa, I'm not, I'm now not specifying any down in my sofas, but that doesn't, compromise the quality uh, because there are people, you know, they've had alternatives before because of people who had down um, allergies. So okay. I'm just, you know, seeking not to use those um, down choices. And I'm sure you know which brands are maybe more forthright in what they're using in the products versus those that are always, um, I mean, are there any customer, or, sorry, are there any custom furniture designers that you know that you can work with all the time because they're always vegan? No, um, nobody is designing furniture saying this is vegan. Okay. It just is because it just so happens to be. Mm -hmm. the, the toughest part is that really there are a few vegan de interior designers in the United States and abroad. Um, but um, the hardest part is that there's no manufacturer that is dedicated to it. And so when I can't say that all my products, like so there's some products, the more custom I get, the more I can be absolutely sure. Yeah. But if I'm talking about a little more mass market or, you know, middle range products, um, these are big manufacturers and getting information like, yes, okay. I know it's a wood frame. I know the, the fill is uh, not down. It's polyfill. Um, I know what the fabric is, but there are things like small little things like, the glue that mm -hmm. is used, right? Number one 
glue that was used for a long time and still is used is hide glue that comes from the height of an animal. So they make it into glue for lots of reasons as to why they continue to use it. But these manufacturers are not giving, you know, they're like, who is this woman's asking about the glue? Like, who, who cares? Like, we, <laughs> we've been doing this. So when I use the smaller manufacturers, I can say, what glue are you using? You know, what finish? Um, because finishes can be like a shellac or a lacquer. Now that comes from a bug. It's, okay. um, it's from the lac, lac bug. Lac. I didn't know this. Thank yeah, you for it comes teaching from me. The, it comes from the um, excretions of this lacquer, this lac bug that it's magnesia and they scrape it off and they, you know. And I guess I was it. thinking about like, is beeswax a thing? Beeswax is a thing that would not be vegan either. Yeah. And uh, wax is um, used in the finishing of wood products. So the the more custom I get, the more I can say, don't use those mm. products. Okay. Um, but I can, you know, so I, if I'm going with more middle range, lower end pieces, I can, I can be assured the fabric and all those other pieces are fine, but then some of the smaller finishing products are not, or I can't confirm that they are. I can yeah. just imagine the, um, the industry is like, there just isn't enough demand for us to worry about this. Yeah. Nobody cares. I mean, it's working, they're selling, we don't have enough strength. And that no one else is to, asking these questions. Nobody else is really. I, I had a rep that came to me and he was trying to say, you know, we're a smaller U.S. manufacturer. It's a couple of years ago. And I said, OK, great. Like, do you have Phil? Like, yeah, no problem. I said, well, can you find out about the glue? He's like, what about the glue? I'm like, what kind of glue do you use? He's like, I've been doing this for 30 years. Nobody has ever asked me. I'm like, OK, well, I want to know. So he calls the, you know. He calls up to his people and they're called down to the floor and they're like, what's the glue? Nobody knows. Nobody knows anything. But I did get an answer because it's a smaller uh, outfit um, mm -hmm. and there's more contact. And, and I think accountability on the decisions being made, like the people who are, you know, it goes down through the chain of command because if people are demanding it up here, um, then it gets passed down. Whereas, you know, smaller ones, not so. so I mean, larger ones. Uh, larger manufacturers, not so much accountability. Like these people are doing what they're told, right? It's interesting. I guess I might have almost thought it would be the opposite that the bigger companies would have more, I don't know, quality control. Well, I, I agree. They probably have quality control, but they're not, nobody's talking about vegan interior design. In fact, there is, for the first time ever, uh, we're having a vegan interior design week, the first week of November. Um, and it's a conglomeration of, uh, different designers and contractors and, and everybody in the vegan design world is coming together to just talk and educate about vegan interior design, because the, the larger force we are, the more pressure we can put on companies to change the way they do, um, how they, uh, manufacture. Or even just be like, would you be willing to start a line? of vegan products so that me and my friends can order directly from you and know yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. I was working on a line of uh, carpets. But again, I'm just a small little peanut over here yeah. <laughs> in New Jersey. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll just keep going forward and making my changes because I, I've always felt empowered. I know that the best way to make change is with um, 
my pocketbook. So every choice I make, if it's directed, you know, towards vegan, I'm making, I'm making a change. I'm making a decision and I'm going to influence those companies because I'm not buying over here. I'm buying over there. And um, that's how I feel empowered. Do you also end up helping people who have like severe allergies or sensitivities? Like you said, the down thing, because mm-hmm. I have a sister who's, um, she's been a vegan on and off over the years, but she also okay. has like an extreme chemical sensitivity. Right. And I wonder if some of these things would go hand in hand. Some of them do, uh, because there are wonderful uh, natural fabrics like cotton, linen, uh, hemp, bamboo, we talked about, but often, uh, cotton, for instance, linen, beautiful fabrics look great but they aren't soil and stain resistant they discolor uh quickly um they tend to be you know fairly priced but you have to replace them because they're going to show the wear they're going to show um the staining etc and 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 the only way to reconcile like not have that is to have them sprayed with a chemical so that they will retain their, you know, and maintain their durability. Um, but I have done that because I have clients that have, you know, major uh, sensitivities and is looking at all the fabrics we use. And they have to understand that, um, that it's not going to last. It just isn't. It just doesn't. So. So be and, prepared to replace it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about actually working from home. You've okay. been doing it for 12 years. Yeah. Have you been working from home for 12 years constantly or have you, has it been stops and starts? Uh, I've worked from home all the way through uh, constantly, but there was a period of time a couple of years ago for four or five years that I was working in a showroom. I was just working once a week and that came about because of working at home, which I really like working at home. Uh, we were saying earlier, you can wear whatever you want. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have to. I mean, I'm not always working at home because I'm all, I'm going to clients' homes and stuff. But mo- yeah. the majority of my work is at home. Um, but you can wear what you want. I can work at midnight. I can work at six in the morning. I can, you know, do whatever I want. I love that. Um, but I found that as a creative person, I needed more input. I needed more connection with other people and. I decided to go and just work in a uh, design furniture showroom where I had other colleagues to bounce ideas off. And um, I was just out in the open, at least uh, it was once a week. And it just gave me that opportunity to uh, just feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this. Um, are you, you were doing it more for collaboration and the social aspect? Yeah, really collaboration and social aspect. There is one designer that she and I still collaborate on projects. In fact, we're doing a project right now. We're in the middle of one. Um, but the social aspect that what I, that's what I found hard. And I'm sure, um, particularly this last year and a half, people have found that part to be hard because I'm getting now to the point where doing zoom, you know, is, doesn't cut it for me when I'm talking to somebody that I can meet, like you and I, okay, you're in Arizona. That makes sense. We got a Zoom. Like I would never have met you if it hadn't been for Zoom. Mm-hmm. But 
the people down the street, the showroom Local. or whatever, like I need to go out. I need to be there and creative. I need to see new things. Um, I need to just touch things and get inspired. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And how many of your clients are actually local to you? Um, probably about 80% of my clients are local. And then um, you asked before, do I have clients coming back? Yes, I do. I have clients that I'm, I'm more of a, I, I am a luxury interior designer. So I don't specify from your regular, you know, West Elm, Maturation Hardware, you know, Crate and Barrel, those big box stores. I don't do that. Um, I really do personalized design. Um, it's really about my client's lifestyle, their aesthetic, their personality, and then creating a design that represents them and is going to work for them. Um, yeah, let me let me restate the question because I think yeah. this was before we started recording. I was oh. asking, right? Was it before? No, we were I, th- I thought it was at the beginning. You and then I kind of got distracted. We. It, I don't know. I yeah. was asking, let me just restate it just in case I was mm-hmm. asking if, um, when she started, no, maybe it was during the recording. So sorry about this. Yeah. Did you have a lot of people that continued with you even after you switched to the vegan side or right. if you just yeah. switched, flopped over, flip flopped your clientele? Right. So, um, with my, my, um, clients, I usually start with a room or a couple of rooms and then they have me come back. Mm-hmm. And we do a couple more rooms. So mm-hmm. um, I, they'll, they'll come back again and again. Um, and okay. that's a lot of my business. And then I get referrals, of course. I love referrals because if I've had a great client, I know that their friends are going to be similar. And those are great to get referrals because right. um, if I've enjoyed working with somebody, chances are very likely I'm going to enjoy working with their friends or family. So um, I do get just repeat business. And then of course I get new business as well. Um, you said that a lot of your work was from home. What, tell me a little bit about like a day, like what does a interior designer spend most of their time on? If you're not actually like measuring things and having a consultation with your client, what else are you doing? I would say 80% is stuff that I don't do with my client. I'm you know, once I got the measurements and I've had my initial in, uh, interview and um, spent some time with my clients, uh, I'm working, you know, pulling together, you know, their floor plan and then creating a design aesthetic and then specifying all the furniture, putting together a design presentation um, and bringing all those elements together. And then I present to them again, an hour, an hour and a half and make sure we're on the right direction, refine it. And then I've got to go and start pricing things and bringing in, you know, sometimes they need some more options, but then it's, it's really a layer because layering this on top of each other, because I'm starting with the, you, when you're designing something, you don't start, you make an inspiration. Like, let's just say I'm designing my office from that picture behind me. Okay. There's an inspiration in the color and the style. Yes. Um, and I under, that gives me an understanding of um, the client uh, personality, but um, that's just an inspiration for my design. And so then I have to um, like build, build up from that. And I start with all the big pieces. I, I'm not going to start with, okay, let's find the tablecloth that matches the picture. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know the size of the table, let's just say, or, okay. Uh, 
you know, the color of the wall. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to start with the big pieces. How do I get them in the room? And where do I put the desk? Where do I put the sideboard? What kind of storage? Because we're talking about functionality too. It's not just about, okay, I can make any place look beautiful, but beauty is not good enough. It's got to work for you. This is, you know, a person's home is where they spend. Like that's the biggest investment most people are going to make. And that home's got to work for them. It's got to do the hard work. So when you come back home, or even if you're working from home, you're not challenged every time you walk into a room to turn on a light or find the stuff that you need or oh my gosh this chair is uncomfortable and I can't sit at the table properly like but you just kind of make do that makes no sense to me like make your home work because you're going to be spending a lot of money um, on that home first purchasing and then mortgage insurance you know yada 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 make that home work for you and um, to make your life easy so functionality is so important. Then I can make it beautiful. Oh gosh, beauty is so easy for me. My husband and I are both a little bit more on the end of that spectrum where we'll just take whatever color the walls were when we moved in. Right. <laughs> um, and we're we're the type of people that just kind of like put the furniture around the edge of the room and don't give it a lot of thought other right. than function. Right. And I think we've been in this home for maybe going on three, almost four years. Okay. And I think we're to the point where we're ready to start hanging things on the wall. Right. Like I have a few picture frames and I need to put pictures of them. And I think we're going right. to start to make like a gallery wall. Right. Um, and we've never done that. We've been married for 11 years. So wow. it's, yeah. um, it's kind of fun to think that maybe we're settling in enough that we're ready to take the next step, you know, but right. definitely, um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with people's personality and, you know, mm-hmm. priorities. But yeah. um, when I walk into someone's home that's beautifully designed, I notice and it's, it's wonderful, but right. we're not all there. I was, show, I was telling her that my office here would probably make her go, because <laughs> it's got all the, <laughs> the shelves just crammed with junk from, right. you know, my teaching ESL and having a lot of, you know, things on hand that I would use to Sure. Demonstrate things, but um, my priorities are changing a little, and I'm looking around, thinking, I think I'm ready to let go of this, that, and the other thing, you know, to to make this a more pleasant space because I don't like to sit in here, you know, if I'm yes. not physically speaking with someone physically, you know what I mean? Like right. I'm not yeah. actively speaking with someone. It's not a pleasant place to sit. Right, and that's a problem. Like especially for people who are working from home. Yeah, you have to. It, Enjoy the place that you're in because that is what's going to inspire you. That is what is going to bring you joy, make you want to get up, go into your your space, and then continue being there during the day. If you're uncomfortable, if it's it doesn't feel good, like you're, I don't know because I can't. I don't know how you can stay, you know, chained to that desk when it's in a space that isn't well lit, isn't comfortable to sit at, doesn't hold your, the things that you need and has easy access. Um, but it's funny you should say that about your home because the number one <laughs> aesthetic that I see for most of the people that I, homes that I go into is something I call like the uh, college dorm look because people have, you know, mishmash of furniture that they've collected or, you know, from their first apartment and they're like finally get into their new home and they're like got whatever they got and they're kind of yeah. put it around and they've still got maybe some milk crates over here. And I'm thinking, oh my God, you just spent 
200,000, 500,000, you know, a million dollars. I, I can tell you, it doesn't matter on the price of the home. I have been in million dollar homes and it looks like a college dorm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, time to grow up, time to um, step into that ownership of your life. What kind of life do you want to lead? And I think mm. for me, I, I believe that, um, you know, your home should represent the kind of life that you have. So when you're in that place where you're upset or depressed or worried, your home can just reflect back on you, back to you. What a wonderful life you have. What a mm. wonderful life you have created. And then remind you, okay, life isn't so bad. We have this, we've created this, we can move forward. Versus being in a space where, you know, your life is kind of still stuck in the 20s or, you know, chaotic and doesn't help you. And you're like, oh, my God, like my life sucks and my home sucks. And everywhere I look, nothing is giving back to me. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm a big well, believer about that. I know we went through a season where we moved a few times mm -hmm. because right. of my husband, um, you know, starting a new job or originally it was, we moved so that he could start a new, um, degree. Okay. And then, uh, once he finished, we moved back home temporarily to, uh, um, the city where we had met, uh, while we were having yeah. our third baby. And then wow. we moved again, once he yeah. got, got his, you know, his big job, the one right. that he's still in right now. Right. Um, but he did not get a moving package and right. they did not pack us up and ship us, you know, so we basically had to move across the country with what we could fit into a U-Haul. Right. And it was only about half of our stuff. And oh, so, sure. um, <laughs> I remember my, um, my old, she was like a part-time nanny for our family. She had seven brothers, maybe she had wow. a lot of brothers and, yeah. uh, she brought her <laughs> brothers and they helped us load up the truck. And my friend okay. was just, um, establishing her first home. And I'm like, do you want these seven chairs and these five bookshelves? And she took mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But I moved across the country to Arizona and all we had were folding chairs. Right. And I think we're still sitting. I think we still have folding chairs around our table right now. It's very hodgepodge. Right. So, yeah. I and mean, it's understandable. It's understandable because it is a lot. I mean, this is my priority. This is what I think mm -hmm. about. I do every day. So yeah. it's really important to me. Um, and that's how I help my clients because really it's about time. It's about thinking about mm -hmm. it um, because not only do I design, but I also product project manage and I bring in all the trades to help create um, the space. Mm. Um, you know, of course that all costs money. So the yeah. alternative is, okay, I can still design to save you do all the work, right. But you have to have the time and you still yeah. to do all to do the work. But um so there's you know, an investment of not just money, but also money and our time. Yeah, exactly. Now, that being said, there are ways of, you know, even with what you have um, to create a space that's a little more conducive to living like and that can be with just simply how you've laid out the furniture or, um, you know, adding a few things to make your life easier. And yeah, I love um you know new fabulous furniture but i can tell you that i also love old 
pre-owned furniture. And I often specify it for my clients because there are some styles that are um, harder to get, more expensive now, and I can find it pre-owned and then, you know, use it like it is. And then we'll upgrade it by either painting it, reupholstering, et cetera. So it can go in stages. And in my home, I have, um, you know, secondhand furniture for many of the pieces because I've seen something actually like the console behind me. Well, I don't know if you see the console behind me. Uh, It's gorgeous design. And I happened to see it at a secondhand shop. I was like, oh my God, I need that right now. And it was inexpensive, like to say the least. Well, I mean, if you um, have a good eye for it, especially, you know, antiques, that's a thing like that. Some people, um, one man's junk is another man's treasure. And some people are Mm -hmm. letting go of treasures without even realizing it. So if you've got the eye for it, you can find them. Yeah. Yeah. I just let go of it. When uh, Risha and I started chatting before we pushed record, I was telling her that I'm all um, right, right in the face because I was working really hard. We're in Arizona and it's actually probably only like in the early nineties, like as far as temps right now. But I was like hauling furniture around and getting rid of things. But there was a table that I had received. Someone had put it out on the curb for bulk pickup. And I was mm-hmm. like, I could use that for a desk. We're going to be homeschooling this year. And this was last year. Was, right. I'm, I'm speaking from last year. Right. And the desk ended up being just a little too tall. And then the chair that I got a tall chair to go with the desk was too tall for the desk. And so I thought it was a pretty desk and I didn't really want to let go of it. But when my friend came over and was helping me kind of like make some decisions, you know, the motivation that you sometimes need. Yeah. I was like, is that even real wood? Because if it's real wood, I'll keep it. I really like the design. It was beautiful. And then we looked Mm -hmm. at it. We're like, no, that's laminate. And I'm like, it's out. (laughs) It's easy decision. Right. So yeah, like if you find that treasure, you know, hang on to it. But if you don't have a space for it, if you don't have a space for it, I mean, I can't tell you how many people are keeping things because they're like, well, this is I found and it's so good. And I was like, why is it good? Are you a storage pod? You don't <laughs> use it. It's not comfortable. You spent $500,000 on your home and you're putting furniture in that doesn't use it. Like why? So you can be a storage unit for mm-hmm. old furniture. Like that makes no sense, but it is very helpful to have a friend to come in there and say, Hey, you know, you're not using it, get rid of it. Cause we get attached to things. Why? I don't know what we do. Um, and we want to get rid of those things. So we want to get rid of things that don't help our life. And that's, you know, for me, part of interior design, if it's not helping your life, mm-hmm. get rid of it. Don't even get a storage pod to put it in because I can tell you use furniture. It can be expensive, but it's, you know, it has to be really good quality furniture to be expensive. It has to be really good condition. And the storage pod costs money too. And the storage pod, you know, I know people who spend $500 a month on a storage pod. I'm like, okay, how long? they've had, you know, or $300, but $300 a month on a storage pod for the last five years. I'm like, you they could have bought a car. Yeah. You could have bought this furniture and you don't even know if you're going to be using the furniture. You bought a bigger house. Right. Like, don't do that. And do you know, the storage is like the, one of the biggest in, uh, real estate investments that is happening, the real estate investors, cause I'm a, on my side gig, I do real estate investing mm-hmm. storage units are like a great investment, uh, as a real estate investor, because, um, people are like clamoring for it. Why? I don't know. I don't know what people are keeping. I mean, 
I know what I'm keeping things that were sentimental, um, things that have a story connected. And for me, I'm so relational. Um, I don't like to deal with some of my things at times. Sometimes I can go through, it's emotional to go through stuff. It's emotional Uh to make that decision. It wears you out. So like, Uh if you already have other stresses, why add a new one? Yeah, exactly. Um, But I'm in a position right now, we've got company coming and we actually have a two car garage and we have, um, our house is a little small. It's like, well, small, small is relative, right? Like for, for our city, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a smaller home. Um, it's 1,250 square feet, which I know could be a bigger apartment depending on where you live. But for us, it's a small home for five people. Um, we've got some company coming and it's a nice place for the kids to go out and play. Um, in Arizona, it's so hot and it's not always comfortable to be outside. So if we have a fan going in there and the door is open to the house, we can have a little bit of air conditioning circling in there and the kids are loud. Right. If they're getting loud, we can be like, just go play in the garage. It's a nice, big open space. You can run in big circles because we don't have like a family room or anything else. Right. Um, and so it's basically, it's our new family room, Fabulous. (laughs) Um, but right now it's also half storage. So to make that decision of, okay, we are going to downsize, you know, so that we can have, and some of the things just need to get moved into a closet upstairs. Like we've got space in the closet. So you just didn't move it yet. Right. Um, Another thing for our family is we've got three young children and I'm curious Mm -hmm. how many of your clients do have young children. Cause for us, we're like, we don't want to replace our couch until our kids are a little bit more responsible. Right. Um, You know, I have a whole gamut. But usually people, I I mean, my clients are usually going through some transition, like they're becoming new homeowners or Mm. their kids are, you know, moved into um, a bigger grade and they're kind of feeling like a a higher grade. And so they're feeling like, oh, this is a transition where our family's growing up. We're going to make the the change. Yeah. Um, It really depends on you. Uh, Like, I, I, I don't know how you live. So like, are your kids jumping on your sofas and stuff like yes. that? Well, then, yeah, because <laughs> yes. I grew up like my kids, they weren't allowed to jump on sofas. So, you know, well, my just, kids aren't uh, either. <laughs> they still don't believe me. My adult children still can ruin my stuff. But we bought my son a trampoline to try to keep right. him off of the couch. Um, you know, just some people have a mm-hmm. lot more of that sensory like need. And he just yeah. had that need for like banging into soft things. And I think we need to just buy him a crash pad, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like no, just... my, my son was exactly like that too. And I got a trampoline and yeah. um, I threw him outside every opportunity I had. I actually had a little trampoline that he had to jump yeah. on in the house. That's too. what we have. It's just um, yeah. like a rebounding one. Actually, yeah. I was terrified of having any trampoline like of any size in our home because oh. of, you know, I worked for an emergency room department, an okay. emergency department for several years. And I know trampolines are one of the biggest, you know, reasons that people end in the emergency room, but yeah, well, they, we have a little yeah. rebounding one that we have rules, but you know, do they always follow them? Oh, Especially if you turn your back for one second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know, like I, I hear what you say. I grew up with the trampoline. We didn't even have those sides and I flew off the trampoline how many times um, oh, because we were fooling around on it. But um, uh, you know, you just have to do what feels most comfortable for you. I think that's what the end of the day. Let's transition a little bit and talk about the work from home movement, mm-hmm. the, the, I don't know, the migration of so many people to working from home on um, purpose or not. Um, right. How has that affected your business? Well, there's a lot of people who are looking to upgrade their home office or create a home office because they've been 
home or they started being home a year and a half ago or so much, whatever it was, um, and wanted a space where they could actually get their work done. And um, because of that, there has been a big, you know, need for improving their homes. And plus, you know, improving the homes just generally because now they're home and they're like, wow, I never realized how useless this room was, or I never realized how much we use this room or not now that they have, like it's say in your, fa- your case, your family, now you got five people at home with schooling and all of a sudden, like there's not enough space and there's no place to do that. So in terms of a home office though, um, it's really figuring out how to dedicate a space that is going to work um, for you. And that's going to have the pieces that you need, whether it's even a refurbishing a small closet so that you're, you have a space, right. Right. So creating that small closet, or if it's taking, you know, um, another room or an office and then create like actually uh, making the office somewhere you want to be versus, okay, this was sort of an office and we put in here, but now, mm-hmm. um, now we're really using it. And, um, you know, one of the biggest ways and the biggest impact you can make with the least amount of money is actually putting paint on the walls, mm-hmm. um, walls and ceiling and painting the room. That's going to give you a huge bang for your buck because it's going to freshen things up. It's going to, you know, painted a color that you like you can see not not for the people listening but I have sort of a pumpkin orange office every wall and my ceiling actually is pumpkin orange I love the color it makes me feel great um summer winter spring fall all seasons I'm so happy to be in here and when I bought this house it was like a yellow it was a yellow (laughs) it wasn't a nice yellow I oh my gosh when I started working in here I'm like I can't I can't can't live in here so a year later I renovated this house I've been in this home now for three four years um I was like I need to have a space and that was you know a cheap inexpensive way to um just change the total look of the room change completely with the color so I have um, to admit that I have never really considered or thought about painting a ceiling to match the walls I love it I love painting the ceilings because, and especially if you're in a smaller space, like a lot of people get nervous, um, but you know, in big rooms, they're like, Oh, and I've had clients freak out. And then I've painted, they're like, wow, I really like that. But in a small room, if you, you want to think of like your, it's like a little jewelry box. So you're, you know, if you've renovated your closet, it's like a jewelry box. So you want to be a piece of jewelry in the jewelry box. Now, jewelry boxes are beautiful. They're pretty. They have nice soft things in them. They nice colors, right? They're not something driving bored. So create that space like your jewelry box. Put your beautiful things in there. Make it feel like you are the piece of jewelry and it deserves a beautiful place to rest. Well, until next time to go out. But um, yeah, so the ceiling makes a big difference makes I, I love ceiling painting ceiling so do you wallpaper. usually do you usually match um I like to yes I do I like to it doesn't always happen I, I haven't done it in every single room in my house but I do have all the bedrooms uh they don't I'll have wallpaper and stuff in the bedroom so um the ceiling matches you know complements the wallpaper right um my living room the color complements are built in and the, then I have a few walls that are not painted or painted white. Um, but yeah. Oh, actually my living room, red, 
red on the ceiling because I have wallpaper in um, that room. But I, yeah, I would I'm, love that because red is my favorite color. We actually have red couches. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I always am a little concerned about when I, when I know that someone is very concerned about the look of things and, you know, the aesthetics, mm -hmm. I wonder how often they sacrifice the ergonomics. Um, you know, a desk chair is not necessarily a pretty chair and a pretty desk chair isn't necessarily a comfortable chair. Right. So what have you found or what do you talk about was people are trying to balance what to do there? Uh, I say comfort is really important and that a chair is just a small piece in the room. So if, for instance, uh, like I, I, if, for instance, you have a chair that isn't quite so pretty, that's okay. Like everything can't be fabulous. And chances are that if you have the fabulous color and say you have a fabulous table or you got curtains, you know. Your eye is going to go to those fabulous pieces and your chair is just going to fade away and you won't notice. And I've done that in so many of my clients' homes where, um, you know, a basement refinish and they hated the color of the floor. It was this brownie tile that looked terrible. And I said, don't worry about the tile because they didn't want to replace it. It was, it was a big basement and they didn't want to replace the tile. I said, don't worry about the tile. We're going to paint. And you won't even know, and that we did paint the ceiling. I said, you don't even notice the floor. And then I, and uh, we painted, they're like, I don't even notice the floor. I'm like, yeah. And, and then we put a carpet down and nobody sees the floor anymore because they're looking at, wow, the color of the paint and look at that and look at this. And so that's what I would say about a desk chair. Go for comfort. Um, it may not be the most beautiful thing, but make other things beautiful. <laughs> My little go-to saying is ergonomics aren't always sexy, but if you are comfortable, then you'll feel sexy. Yeah, absolutely. Like who wants to be tugging at bra straps and, you know, panty lines, you know, like, no, no. So you don't want to be fooling around in your chair, especially those are important. Right. And would you say that that has ended up um, being a big part of your business in the past year and a half home office? Uh, yeah, it's become part of my business, um, but homes in general, and I do residential designs are, are big because people are at home. They're like, wow, this kitchen sucks. <laughs> like, oh, really, really, you know, and I have clients a couple of years ago come back and say, now we're ready. Now that we've been home, I'm like, yeah, wouldn't it have been nice if you had done it when we did, when we first <laughs> met? Right. Like, yeah. Why didn't I do that? And you know, costs of things have, you know, as we're all seeing inflation is rising, but the cost of things have, has ridden, risen um, in construction, in home goods, um, mainly because of uh, shipping and access to product. I mean, there's so much that is not readily available anymore. So oh, I, I am sure that has impacted you. I've heard stories of people ordering a couch and being told it'll be two weeks, no, eight months. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've, I have tons of products that are sitting there waiting ordered in April. Now it turns out, I just heard last week coming in December. It's like, look at, there's nothing like in a shipping do. container somewhere or where are they just getting hung up in a warehouse or. Well, it's really weird. Um, in the U S this was upholstery. What happened was that there was that freeze in Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, there was that freeze in Texas. Um, 
in, I forget when it was last year in the fall, I think it was. Yeah, right? And when you say freeze, it was like, they, the they literally had cold temperatures that they haven't, hadn't had in like a hundred years or something like right. that. And, exactly. um, gas went crazy through the roof and people didn't have, um, heat in their homes. Yeah. Yeah. And turns out that the number one who supplies like over 60% of the foam in the United States was located in Texas. And so not only did they sustain damage, they lost stock and then it took them forever to get back up running. And, and plus they were having problems anyways with um, the health. Um, with the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. The health crisis. So that literally put everybody behind. People couldn't get foam. Hmm. They couldn't make furniture. And so that was that. And it's still impacting the industry. So just like the supply chain all over the country for almost everything that you can think of, like car parts, you know, you just keep hearing it. Uh, We have friends who are in the balloon industry and my, my kid and I Mm -hmm. are getting into the balloon industry, latex and getting, uh, making a latex balloon is like, I think their supply is going to be two years or more before they can get fully stocked again in all of the colors and shapes and sizes that people are used to having in that industry. And it's just like obscure things are being held up in not just the warehouses and um, shipping containers, but because they don't have a driver to drive it from here to there and other thing. Well, I don't want to get political here, but you can always cut this out if you want to, (laughs) but you know, we have um, sold so much of our industry and sent it abroad. And now we're at the mercy of whatever's happening abroad. We took a lot of manufacturing jobs and they all got put abroad for, you know, why company profits. And now we're sitting in a place where we cannot um, make our own. own. And we're sitting and waiting for these people, for other people. And it's ridiculous because, you know, we all want cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. Yeah, you get it cheaper, but now we're in a situation that you don't get it because we can't even make it. And even if you want to pay for it, it's not, it's not available. I don't have an answer for that. I just know that this idea of cheap mm-hmm. has ruined, has ru- had a big impact on this industry too. It's, there's nothing like you don't cheap, you, you, you pay for it. You pay for cheap. And I don't know how this will translate to your industry with uh, mm-hmm. interior design, but I think of fast fashion and people just mm-hmm. buying cheap clothes and just changing the color exactly. and style every, every minute. And I'm like, I would prefer to have a pair of shoes or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, I guess shoes, you know, are a little bit different, but like a pair of jeans oh. or a nice sweater that I can use for years on end. Right. I don't care if it's not the most fashion forward statement piece. I want something that's functional that will last me. I am um, very, very concerned about reusing and reducing. Um, And, you know, the recycling industry is crashing and burning right now because we're not shipping things to China for them to sort through it, you know. Um, (laughs) Well, that was a ruse, but okay. Yeah. What was that? It was a ruse anyways. We don't recycle 90% of this that we have. Exactly. You know, I agree because I'm about sustainability. Okay. New furniture is great. Like I said, but there's so much, like I, there's so much good secondhand furniture. Mm -hmm. Reuse it. Like the three R's are 
reuse. Well, the first reduce. one is reduce. Yeah. Then it's reuse and then yeah. it's recycle. So mm-hmm. there are so many opportunities that we we can reuse good furniture. And I see it on the streets all the time. I, I had a bigger car before mm-hmm. and I was like the furniture medic. I'm going to stop, pick up this furniture. I like keeping stuff everywhere. Like, okay, I have to stop. But this is good furniture that people yeah. like, I don't want it anymore. Uh, I don't understand why, like, I'm not a big fan of Facebook, but Facebook Marketplace mm-hmm. is phenomenal for posting and oh, selling yeah. and buying furniture. And I do it all the time. Like something, even it's five bucks. Like I get this new thing or new to me, I purchase this for five bucks and it's yep. perfectly great. Like it works. Even better. Uh, I think it was my episode 17 with Nicole Eichinger. I hope I okay. didn't just butcher her name. She was, um, I think a nutritionist, um, dietitian who actually told me about something called the buy nothing project. And this has been life-changing. So it's like upcycling or free cycling. Right. Um, but you're in a group with like people in your community. So you don't have to go too far. Right. It's like Facebook marketplace, but free. Right. So okay. every, everybody's letting go of good stuff, like right. nice things with no price tag. And it huh. just goes to whoever you want to give right. it to. If someone says, I would like that table, I could use it. I have a space for it and we'll right. use it tomorrow. Um, you know, it will go to them. So then, you know, it just uh, makes me feel sick when I see people like loading up dumpsters at the end of yeah. like the year for like the college dorms and stuff. And people uh-huh. just throw out perfectly good everything. Yeah. I'm like, it almost gives me anxiety. Like, wow, there are so many people that could have used that. So, yeah. and yeah, the energy that went into making it, using it now, throwing it out and we got to make more energy. Uh, you know, it's a commodity yeah. that, yeah, that commodity is not, uh, endless. We're not yeah. in a, like, so like what I'm thinking about mm-hmm. clothing and, mm-hmm. you know, just furniture. It's like, I am still using some folding chairs around our table right now because I would rather save up for the nice ones that I'd like to keep longer mm-hmm then just get like cheap junk and like, you know, have it break immediately. We actually did right. pick up a few things. I like Ikea for certain things, but right. there's certain things about Ikea that break easy. So like we did pick up a couple of, I think like used free, or maybe they even were at Ikea in the as is section mm. for five bucks, but they right. broke so fast. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm used to uh, things that last for 20 right. years. Um, yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't think I mean, I'm not a big proponent of Ikea because it's not sustainable. This stuff yeah. falls apart. Like yeah. you can, it's like a, bookcase, a bookcase yeah. is good, but um, it's not, you know, the minute you move it, it, it doesn't stay. It's so, like a one-time use. Yeah. It's a one-time okay. use and you put it there and you keep it there and you're yeah. okay. As long as you don't touch it. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like uh, seriously, even if you want good chairs, I tell you, if you go online, and I, part of it is having a vision, I guess, because you go online, you see these old chairs and they're like, oh, they're like not so great. But I have bought chairs for 20 bucks that didn't look so great. I spray painted them myself. I reupholstered the seat and they look fabulous. Like, yeah. They look like new. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have the time to do that, I get it. But you can also pay someone to do that. I can tell you that a chair that you got for 20 bucks may have cost you maybe 400 bucks to get it totally redone, depending where you are, maybe more, I don't know, but that chair 
the quality of that chair that is like maybe 40 years old or 20 years old is much better than a new chair today. The, yeah. the wood is better. The construction is better, yep. you know, and all you have to do is upgrade it. So like uh, people saying, yeah, well, it's old. It doesn't look good. And it's not good quality. That's not true. The new stuff today, unless you're buying higher end goods, the new stuff like Ikea, like Target, like HomeSense, you know, that stuff mm-hmm. looks good. Oh, wow. It looks really pretty. Yeah. Tomorrow it doesn't look so great. Right. And you said you do generally work with the people who have a budget to be able to spend on the higher quality things. Everybody has a budget. Nobody has ever said to me, spend more, Rochelle, spend more. <laughs> like if I get that client, please come yeah. to me. I will help you. <laughs> um, but no, everybody's on a budget. And so, you know, I do luxury home uh, design, but I also have like a... Um, consultation that I can get you moving in the right steps. I can do more of a um, just design help and then you move it forward. So you're just paying me for my time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have, and I make a plan and then you institute it, you go and get this. And I'm, you know, I'll say like, okay, here's the right size. Here's the look and go and find it yourself. You know, if, if you're in a more limited budget, but I'm always on a budget. I'm curious how much of your work is done on the computer, like modeling and making mock-ups and things like that. Um, I don't use uh, computer programs for my layouts and elevations and stuff like that. I do get, if I'm going to do a rendering, which is a like sort of like a computer photograph of a space um, for a client, I have, uh, I subcontract that um, for the look. But I do a lot more hand drawing for layouts and for um, elevations. Um, But a lot of my work is on the computer because I'm looking at um, when I'm specifying furniture, I'm looking at furniture catalogs, furniture companies, um, and all of that is online. I I go to showrooms too. um, But what you see in a showroom is uh, thousands of what is available. And um, even mid-price furniture, like there are different fabrics, there's different finishes, there's different distress levels, there's different, a table. It could be the same table, but it comes in a cherry, an ash, uh, a walnut, an oak, uh, a birch, like, you know, three or four different wood species. It has 20 different finishes. It has, you know, five different leg types, different aprons. I mean, all these little details um, that create the finished look so you could get something more country or you get something a little more uh, modern or something more classical um and you're not going to see that in a showroom because they can't possibly put every reiteration of the table in the showroom so that's where it comes in handy using an interior designer because i'll say okay this is what the look you want you want these kind of legs and this style and this wood and this and you know when i'm doing full design um, I'll have specified exactly this finish, this, uh, this leg, this top, this, um, distress level, this, you know, matte, shiny or black, white, whatever it is. And I guess the websites maybe can help with some of that so that they could see this is what this table would look like with the cherry and the blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And when I'm presenting in person, you know, I'll have the wood finish. I'll have the style. I'll have, you know, I, I bring as many physical components, components as possible. 
and I also use my computer for uh, presenting the furniture pieces. Um, and then it's trusting that your designer um, is uh, understands what you want. And I really pride myself on that because I want to understand my clients. I want to know what makes them tick so that I can create a space for them. Like I have a space that the type of space I want to live in um, and the kind of place I like to live, but that doesn't mean that it works for everybody else. Um, And that it's going to work for their lifestyle. So that's really important to me. And, and that, that relationship with my clients is key to creating the kind of design I want. What are two things that, someone would look for in uh, a good designer to work with like or uh, what are a few qualities that someone should seek out in like what kind of things do you offer that the next person might not obviously other than just the the vegan element right well like I said I pride myself on understanding my client and it becomes a relationship so if you are looking for an interior designer um, have a conversation with them Really, because it's in that connection that you're going to um, say, can I work with this person? I'm going to come in. I'm going to see like where you sleep, where you, what your bathroom is, where your kitchen is, you know, and what's in your kitchen drawers, because I need to know that to create the kind of space. So um, you have to be trusting of that person, feel like there's a connection. So having a conversation is important. And then follow up with, get a couple of referrals because um, you know, and talk to them how that was their experience. Um, and, you know, I guess what I have to say is that uh, cheap doesn't also mean good. So you get what you pay for kind of yeah, thing. You get what you pay for. And, you know, when you get good, you pay for it. When you get something that is good, you pay for it once. When you buy cheap, you pay for it every time because you're every single time you buying it again and again, you're paying for it. Right. So, and then what are some important elements that people should be thinking about when they're looking at converting a space for their home office? I know one thing I hear people saying over and over and over again is that they need to have a door that they can close. Yes. Have you found that to be the case in your experience? I think that is pretty much a key is to have a door that you can close. Now, if you, like you say, you're in an office, Maybe, uh, I mean, a closet, maybe it's a big closet, but you don't really have a, you know, a door on it. Maybe it's a screen that you can bring over. Maybe it's a curtain that can be, you know, um, hung or something Mm -hmm. to just give you a little more privacy. Um, Those are good elements. And storage is really a good element to incorporate, to think about the storage. What do you need? What are the pieces that you require to create the business? or do the work that you're um, been contracted to do, what do you need to have that is right there and creating the storage for yourself? Because um, you don't want to be getting up. I mean, getting up and down is good too, because you don't want to be seated all the time, but you want to be able to have things easily accessible. What kind of things do you see people needing to store in their home office area? Of course, printers, um, you know, scanners, that kind of thing is important. Just papers, you know, your immediate papers, um, some office supplies, make sure you have a good lighting because if the lighting isn't good, it's hard to do work. Um, 
what else what other things uh, and then well i guess for storage that's what i you know uh, it depends on the person's work like for me i have a lot of samples and stuff like that so i like to have them easily accessible so i need storage for that now you may have samples you may have work materials like for you your esl there's work materials they want to have shelves where you can access it it's organized and you're like okay that's where my map is or that is where my whatever history it is or whatever it is that you're doing mm-hmm. um and have that broken down in the space to keep those files close by. And yeah. have you found a good sit stand desk that you would recommend? <laughs> Cause that's what everybody seems to be moving towards right. these days. And I have found a couple, but they don't seem like they're like super high quality. Right. Are you finding people getting a pretty desk or like a functional desk? Uh, it's a combo. It's a combo. Um, what I think is important is to be able to have, um, because people get up and move around anyways. Um, and so they're, they, they're not looking so much for that up and down. Um, and if they do, there's, there's things that you can put on your, sit on your desktop to lift your computer up and down. True. Um, but it's more about the background for Zoom things so that they can have a background or a couple of backgrounds where it's not distracting um because even even when you blur out your background if you put your hand out too far all of a sudden your hand gets blurred right and it can be odd or um i'm not a big fan of the digital backgrounds i prefer just it is i mean i don't have a fancy like you have a nice setting behind you i just have a curtain because i'm covering a wall that's right But it's, you know, it's just even thinking about it. And having a curtain for you is really good because as a podcaster, you need a little bit of sound absorption or you're going to get, um, you know, bounce. Um, The acoustics can be messed up. So whether it is a curtain, whether it is it's just painted or, you know, you have a picture or it's against a wall or maybe you need two walls where you could switch off. And the color, you know, uh, I know it's funny, I'm, I have white hair. I actually do better on a dark background. You can see me better versus you where you have dark hair and you're on a light background, you're framed better. I found that's really thoughtful. I never would have thought of that. So when I'm on a background that's your color, my hair kind of just gets blended in. It's harder to see me. And I'm white. You know, Mm. if I was black, a dark a light background actually frames you better. So a white wall would not serve you well. Right. You called it pumpkin orange. It's a beautiful color. I moved into a house back in uh, when we lived in Missouri and it had a very bold color scheme, probably from, you know, 10 years prior. So we're talking 20 years ago, but it, it had a yellow living room, the right. pumpkin or um, pumpkin orange dining area, and then a yellow kitchen oh, and nice. yeah. a okay. bright red um, library or oh. extra bedroom. Right. And so it was like, you know, four different right. bold colors. colors. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. Like right. maybe it was a little outdated, but I liked it. It made me feel happy. Um, yeah. and I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna, when we moved, of course right. we had to neutralize things. Um, but I, I was more than happy to keep it. And I was like, thank God I didn't have to do the work of painting. Yeah. Well, the thing about if you like color, the thing that you can do with color to make sure it works is that make sure that the colors could all, you can have purple and red and blue and orange and yellow, but they have to be in the same kind of tonal uh, family. So you're not going from 
uh, so your colors are working You're not together. competing. Yeah, not- exactly. And, and it's okay to compete, but they have to compete in the same family. Like if you have sort of more of a gray green over here, and then you have a bright ready purple over here, the colors may clash. Yeah. So it's not about being green and purple. Green and purple work together as long as they're the right color, green and purple. So mm. putting the colors together and color is really interesting because color, it changes. It's natamerism and it changes when it's put next to another color. So it will take on the qualities of the color it's next to. So oh, okay. Yeah. So if you're putting like a green and a purple together, they will take on each other's quality. So it goes same true as, yeah. So it can look different when it's next to another color, Mm -hmm. actually. When you're talking like I have white trim. So that's very typical white trim. The whites, there's a thousand whites, but the white can really change the and vice versa can change the color in the wall. So you want to make sure that you put the two colors together. And then the way the light hits it, the color is going to change. The color on the ceiling is going to look different than the color on this wall, which is um, the window wall versus the opposite wall. And the light coming in, it's really going to make a difference. And the, um, um, what's it called? The fake light, like your lighting is going to change because of the color yeah. of the bulbs. So it's all you know- these... I had an exa- uh, experience like looking at my son's room the other day. So we didn't paint the walls in this room, uh, in this house. We moved it either. And his bedroom is, I like the teal color that he has. Actually, this curtain was supposed to be more of a teal, but okay. they shipped me the wrong color. And I, I was like, okay, right. okay. I'm lazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really love the color of his wall so much. Um, but the window, I thought it was white. I thought it was a white wall, but it's actually the same kind of topish brown color that the other wall is. It's just the light is so different. Right. When you look at it, it's like your brain just sees the window and I see yep. white light. And I thought there were three different colors in his room, but no, right. it's, it's two. <laughs> yeah. It, and it can That's do that. Point. So you have to like, you have to like the colors on all the walls. So if you're testing a color, put it up against the window trim, put it up on the opposite wall. Put it, mm. If you're putting on the ceiling, put on the ceiling to make sure. But just make sure you use, um, unless you're going for a particularly glamorous look, which most people aren't, and plus it's hard to get, is put a flat um, paint finish on your ceiling because when things are glossy, they bounce light more and you'll see every imperfection on your ceiling. It may drive you crazy. Oh. Um, FYI, just a little tip. Don't flat use ceilings. Um, yeah, flat ceiling. Uh, it will hide imperfections versus a gloss or a satin. Mm. Or HL, yeah. And with kids, we've chosen to use, or I guess we were lucky enough to move into houses that were painted with that more like semi gloss because it okay. seems it washes easier for kids. Right. But do you see people use a lot of flat paint on walls too? They do, but they will show everything. I don't really like to specify flat because if you put your hand on it and a little bit of oil and it's hard mm-hmm. to get it get off, it, it looks really chic and sophisticated. Mm-hmm. But that means that you don't have anybody any kids come into your yeah. house and touch your walls like and you don't, yeah. Yeah. And you don't touch the walls because oh, my it, kids it touch everything. Work. My yeah. kids would be like, not just touching it, but like sliming their hands all over it. Yeah, it exactly. Nice. They're like, wow, this feels great. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Don't do that. 
<laughs> well, yeah. we're going to go ahead and wrap up pretty soon, but I do always like to ask, um, what advice do you give for people who are looking at working from home for the first time or switching to home office? What elements would you say would be most important? I say set up your space so it works for you. Like you're already working. Why do you need to work in, you know, with your space? So spend, you know, whatever, whatever time you can prepping to get your space. So your chair is comfortable. We talked about that. You have a desk or a space that's going to be big enough for you. If you do Zoom, make sure you have a background for Zoom. Um, the storage, the lighting, um, really set yourself up. So, and it doesn't have to be like you spend a ton of money. Start, you can always upgrade things, you know, like we talked about Facebook Marketplace or um, what was that? Buy Nothing it was Project. Buy Nothing Project. Mm-hmm. You, know, you need a light, you need a lamp. So get a good lamp. And if you may not like it, but it's working, then you can upgrade it. At some point you can, you know, put it back on Facebook marketplace or buy nothing and upgrade to the nether lamp, right? That is the color or whatever you want, but get those pieces to function for you so that you can concentrate on your work. You can concentrate on, you know, your livelihood and how you support your family, not on, oh, I'm just going to kind of sit like this and I can reach over here, you know, like, (laughs) what, what are you doing that for? I mean, I've seen people that had terrible, well, you know, sitting, everyone has a different need and some people's bodies might be a lot more um, agile than mine. But when I see people sitting on a bar stool, hunched over, you know, um, I just can, I can imagine the headache that they will be getting from that. Now, if it's for 20 minutes and that's you moving away from your other desk to get a little bit of like stretch your legs or whatever, that's different. But like if I I heard about a guy who was teaching English and he wanted to have really nice camera angle. So he put everything up really high on like, um, maybe it was, uh, like an ironing board or something like that Mm -hmm. to have a nice camera angle. But what he didn't do is he didn't have, um, a separate keyboard. So he was typing like this with his arms up like this. And he's like, I just having such terrible headaches. I've had to take time off work. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I can tell you why. Yeah. Get a secondary keyboard at least. Yeah. Those things are going to just save you time because if you're not looking after your health and I'm not just talking about physical health, about your mental health, that's Mm going to take away from, you know, your livelihood because you can't function when you're not healthy. You can't function when, you know, you're not at your physical best. So those things are going to help you. I agree. I have a, a practical question. And this is sure. for me, actually. I am in a carpeted office mm-hmm. and my wheels would always kind of like sink into a rut. I'm playing with these little um, blocks while we're ch- chatting today. Um, my wheels would kind of sink into this rut that wasn't the right position for my chair based on where mm. my, you know, my workspace is, right. my, my, my computer and my keyboard were this way and my chair was going this way and I couldn't help my chair to to stop going in there. So I got one of those like plastic, you know, roller mat- mats, mats yeah. you put underneath your desk. Yeah. Well, I think the carpet was so matted down mm-hmm. in that area right. that even with the mat on, it still was gravitating. So now I have like a board <laughs> under the mat oh over the carpet right. and I'm just trying to keep it from, you know, constantly slipping. What do you do for people? Cause you're sitting with a chair, you know, rolling in and out every day. How do you protect the carpet from that happening? Hmm. 
That's the first. It could be <laughs> that actually your floor is slightly slanted. You don't need that much of a grade for you to. So that's why it's it's not necessarily the carpet. It's just mm. you're just slanted. Just I mean, really little bit that it just naturally starts to head that way. Um, I feel like I'm just going to have to move my desk so it like I can get a new part of my carpet that I right, can start fresh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like cleaning the carpet will help revive it and, and uh, fluff up the fibers. Right. So but it's probably try... the mat underneath too. It's like probably the whole thing. Right. It could be the whole thing. And then again, it could just be your floor. Um, that is, and, and then it doesn't help that now the, the carpet is gone that way. Um, I would say take the wheels off your chair and it's not a then, bad idea. And then just, I mean, that was going to lower your chair. So I don't know if you could, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be bad because it's an adjustable chair. Okay. So then take the wheels off your chair and yeah, you're going to have to get up and push your chair in and out, which is fine because that's a little exercise for you. Yeah. But then you can place the chair and be in your situation where you're not having to compete with the carpet. Yeah. Um, and you're more comfortable. That's, That's what a I would really, do. I have not thought of that. I will have to check and see if I can do that. Thank you. All right. Any, um, any way that people can contact you if they are interested in having a vegan interior designer or someone who is just smart about interior design? Absolutely. Um, I am on Instagram. Uh, I am on Instagram. What is it? Instagram. It's Walden Interiors. I'm on Facebook, Walden Interiors Design. I'm on LinkedIn, Walden Interiors. Um, um, my website is walden-interiors.com. Uh, my email is risha at walden-interiors.com. Anywhere you want to reach out, I'd be happy to have a chat with you. We'll put all of those into the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. But Walden is W-A-L-D-E-N. That's right. So, and Risha is like Trisha without the T, she said. Right. That's it. R-I-S-H-A. And nobody ever gets it right or pronounces it right. So don't feel bad. I was like, is it Risha? And she was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) I still tell people like who've known me for years. I'm like, I'm not Risha. It's Risha. I was like, I've learned it's it's easier to just say, how do I pronounce her name rather than butcher it and then have to Uh, have it fixed. Hilarious. Yeah. All right. Well, any final thoughts as we wrap up? No, but this has been fun, April. We've talked about lots of things. It's like, yes, uh, the full gamut. Have, right. The full gamut. It's, it, it's so connected. You know, our worlds are, are, everything is so connected. It's one thing on top of another. We, I, I, I believe I, I'm learning that the more, the older I get, the more connected we are and that we're all this stuff that we talk about and that we do is, um, part of our life and it's a it's a fabric not just a thin thin thread we're just a fabric of all these things oh wow that was profound I like it (laughs) I mean we are connected in so many different ways and Mm -hmm. and I feel like working from home even though someone's job might be night and day different from the next person we still have these common elements that Mm -hmm. can unite us and we have a lot to talk about so yeah well thank you for being on the show Thank you. And uh, yeah, if you if you're interested in talking with Risha or Risha, sorry, about interior design, go ahead and reach out. Yeah, please. I'd love to hear from you. All right. This has been Risha Walden with Abram Malone and Yes, I Work From Home. Thank you. Thanks, April.